Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hi, I'm Claire Murphy. This is Mamma Mia's daily news podcast, The Quickie, and today we're getting nostalgic together as we head back to Australia in the 1980s and why one TV show is giving us all a dose of what life was like before the machines. But first up, let's find out what's happening across the globe with your headlines for Tuesday, February 6. King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer, Buckingham Palace saying he has begun treatment. The palace statement says the cancer is not related to the king's recent treatment for a benign prostate condition. However, it did not specify what form of cancer the 75-year-old monarch has been diagnosed with. The statement says Charles remains wholly positive about his treatment and looks forward to returning to full public duty as soon as possible. International law experts say it's unlikely that Australian man Yang Hinjun, who yesterday received a suspended death sentence in China, could successfully appeal the decision. Dr Hengjun received a suspended death sentence for the next two years with a life sentence to follow. Experts saying that that two-year period could be an opportunity for negotiations and for China to save face by saying there's two years of good behaviour. But China is notorious for having very low successful appeal rates, only around 1% to 2%. Amnesty International has said they're horrified by the sentence, accusing Beijing of prosecuting the writer for being critical of the Chinese government. Dr Yang was first detained in 2019 on espionage charges. The trial held in secret in 2021. The case against him has never been publicly disclosed. A question about filling a Tupperware container with bathwater was reportedly the thing that set off actor Jacob Elordi outside a hotel in Sydney on the weekend. New South Wales police are investigating the altercation between Elordi and another man who works at Sydney radio station Kiss FM, who explained that he approached the star after he left the beer garden as he didn't want to invade his personal space. After introducing himself, the radio staffer handed Elordi the container and asked him to fill it with his bathwater as a gift for Jackie O, one of the hosts. If you've seen the movie Saltburn, you'll know the request could be considered quite explicit. Elordi then reportedly said, you're kidding me, and asked if he was being filmed. He asked the staffer to stop, which he did, but when he refused to delete the footage, Elordi reportedly pushed him up against a wall before one of his entourage pulled him off. The radio staffer says he doesn't intend on pressing charges or giving police a formal statement. A few days out from the start of the Australian leg of her world tour, singer Pink has been spotted enjoying the surf at a popular Sydney beach. The superstar posted snaps of her with her children and husband next to the ocean, writing Bondi Beach, it's been too long, saying eating at Bill's was delicious and that she was very happy to be back on this side of the world. Pink's summer carnival tour begins on February 9 at Sydney's Allianz Stadium before heading to Newcastle, Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. That's the latest from the Quickie Newsroom. Coming up, why boys swallows universe is reminding us that sometimes seeing snapshots of life in the past can make us yearn for a simpler life. But can we ever go backwards where it comes to technology?
Depending on what decade you were born in, certain reminders of things from your childhood can prompt major waves of nostalgia. A sentimental longing for a time gone by, of feeling less pressure, less caught up in the world or less everything. For those who were kids in the 1980s, the new Netflix recreation of Trent Dalton's book Boy Swallows Universe, a tale loosely based on Dalton's real-life experience in the suburbs of Brisbane, the scene it sets has given many Aussies a reminder of what life used to be like, with landline phones that have that particular ringtone. What are we waiting for? That range of Tupperware sitting out on the bench in all its brown, orange and yellow glory. A stepdad wearing acid-washed jeans, a brother wearing a T-shirt saying you ain't seen nothing yet. But really, it's the technology that stands out. When we exist in a world where we are not just surrounded by it, but rely on it so heavily. In Boyswallow's universe, the cars have manual wind-down windows and only a radio or tape deck in the console. The TV is a fat-back national panacolor with a dial to change the channel and sliding knobs to increase the volume. The power button makes that satisfying click when you press it. The young Eli Bell, the main character in this story, handwrites letters to his pen pal, a notorious bikey in Boggo Road Jail, who laments about the loss of their yard TV and his desire to watch episodes of Days of Our Lives, a show that you could only watch at that time of day because streaming would be decades away. This is McDonald Carey, and these are the days of our lives. While Eli writes, his brother Gus draws and paints, existing in a very different world from the smartphone tablet generation. When Eli plays a song for his mum, it's on a boombox where the radio can be tuned using a dial, or you can chuck a cassette in the tape player. Meanwhile, in the offices of the Courier-Mail, Brisbane's newspaper, the journalists are writing everything by hand, looking things up on microfilm, and while they have computers on their desks, unlike many other professions at this stage, they're also a fatback, and they aren't yet regularly connected to the internet. At least their desk phone's a push-button rather than the old spin dial. Hello, it's Mr Leary. Yeah. Uh, I'm Caitlin Spires from the Courier-Mail. Go f*** yourself. For many watching, it created a yearning for when we didn't rely so heavily on tech. Because while it's convenient and everything is at the touch of a screen, it also meant we lost touch with certain parts of our community. I mean, when's the last time you spoke to your bank teller? Trevor Long is a technology expert and co-host of the Two Blokes Talking Tech podcast. Trevor, why do we sometimes feel a real yearning for a time when tech wasn't such a big part of our lives? And is that really what we want? I think we want it. I think we desire it. But I think when we realise it, we end up coming back to where we are today. And the reason I say that is because, like, I'm mid-40s. Geez, I'm old. And a show like that really did hit me right in the feels because that was my childhood. I grew up in southeast Queensland and it all felt very real. And I'm seeing things in the show. I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. And here's the thing. People like me, we now have jobs and mortgages, but we have disposable income. So we think, oh, yeah, I'll get that new thing that, you know, whether it's a cassette player or a turntable or whatever it is, because we can, right? Because they do exist. Retro is cool. It does sell, but I do think a lot of it probably ends up just being a very quick little fad and then you get back to your normal life. What would it actually take to turn back 
tech time, you think? Because whenever we talk about things existing on the internet, for example, there's that thing about it could last forever or the next five years, depending on how stable the platform is that thing resides on on the internet. Would it take some like catastrophic, I don't know, end of the internet or something for us to actually turn back tech time? I think that, you know, the Optus outage last year is probably a really wise warning to us all that we are beholden to certain things like the backbone of our mobile networks, like the NBN today. You know, if you lost mobile networks and the NBN, for example, in one day, and it would, let's be real, it would be some sort of terror attack, just not in the form that we have in our minds. It would be debilitating. Well, okay, so here's my first question for you. Let's say those pay phones that exist in some places now are all still up in this circumstance. How do you call your partner? Mm. Now, I know my wife's number, so I'm good, but her number is a mobile, so I can't call her. I don't have her work number. Like, it just starts to take you back to that time when we were young and mobile phones weren't a thing. And so there's so many things that wind back, like how do I communicate the basic things with my work, my friends, my family? If it's for a day or a week, it would be catastrophic, as you say. But the fun thing is that I think a lot of people, um, you know, romanticize about doing that for a weekend. And I think it's a great thing to do, the old digital detox, even if it is just a weekend. Book yourself a long weekend and go, we're not going to take our technology. So first and foremost, we're not taking laptops. But when it comes to mobile phones, you can go to a big retail store and for under $100 buy, you know, a, a modern Nokia dumb phone, put your SIM card in it, and you can still be accessible. People can call you if needed and you can call in emergency. But you don't have... Facebook or Instagram. And let's not carry a camera around it in our pocket. So I think that is a romantic idea that more people should do, even if it's just once in a while, to appreciate, you know, life and the people around us. You mentioned dumb phones there. There was a little while ago this kind of movement to get away from smartphones and go back to dumb phones. But where do you think we're going as far as tech goes from here? Do you see the dumb phone sort of taking off and maybe seeing us return to a simpler time? Or are we just going to be allowing tech more and more into our lives as we continue on? It's the latter, and I'll put the house on it. Dumb phones are fun. There's Nokia flip phones now you can get. They're all cool. But the only time they will take off is if, and I mean in a proper, big, continual way, is if the other things in our lives get smarter. So think about the smart watch. It's amazing. But not enough people yet realize that you can do most of what you need to do on that, just with that. So headphones in, you can listen to music. Headphones in, you can make phone calls. The watch actually can be the beating heart of our technology. So I believe that there is a future where the watch is the core product and everything else is kind of a subset of that. So it might be that a dumb phone is simply a Bluetooth accessory to the watch so that we don't carry around a smartphone and we just rely on screens where we are and where we go. But no, we're not going low tech anytime soon. There's a lovely market for low tech and it is for the weekend warrior for the person that does enjoy switching off from their work or whatever it might be. But at the same time, the tech companies accept this. You know, Samsung, even Apple have focus modes where you can go, you know what, I've got a weekend mode for my phone and a weekday mode for my phone. In weekend mode, I don't see all of my work apps. And in fact, if my boss calls, it just doesn't ring. So you can do things on your phone today to have a bit of a switch off without actually going low tech. 
Okay, we won't tell my boss, Mia Friedman, that that exists, but we might just all be installing that after we listen to this interview. <laughs> is there a tech, though, that is currently kind of going extinct, as they do over the years? Like, I think the last one I can really recall is like the iPod when everyone had one and now they're mm. kind of collector's items. Is there currently tech that it's, you know, is on its way out? It's a good question. I'm racking my brain and I can't think of a current one that's going. So, there are old ones that are becoming more difficult, and I'm talking like VHS tapes are now not made anymore. So if you can get a VHS tape, it's probably worth something. But the modern stuff is pretty much as it is today is where we're going. Laptops look to me like they were going to you know, degrade down into something very small market when tablets came along. But I think we've realized that we can have both tablets and laptops in our lives. So we're at a point now where really the only technology that's diminishing is the ownership of content. So for example, CDs, the ownership of even digital music. Owning music is probably the thing that's degrading the most because subscription exists and that's where everyone loves to be because you can have every song. But all those things come with a price, which is you've still got to be subscribed every single week and month to get the things you love. Maybe that's also part of why we're retro grabbing hold of vinyl yeah. as much as we can. Rather, Although we haven't seen cassettes really make a big return yet. Do we expect cassettes to kind of make a comeback around and maybe CDs again? But vinyl seems to be all the rage. I really hope CDs don't come back because I imported all mine into iTunes and then put them out the front for a garage sale. So I don't have them anymore. <laughs> cassettes, though, I've got a couple of, and I did get a retro cassette player recently online, and it's an amazing little thing. But honestly, once you start playing with it, you realise, yeah, I think vinyl's the way it is because with a vinyl, you can find the track you want, whereas with a cassette, you really do need to spend time getting to a point in the album or whatever it is. So I think there'll always be the movie that shows The Walkman. There'll always be a little bit of a spike in that, but I don't think it'll come back in the way that vinyl genuinely has come back and is genuinely a music product today. What you don't like rewinding your music with a pencil, Trevor, as we did with no, cassettes not a fan, back in the not day. A fan. <laughs> While we may not see the end of the growth of tech in our lives, one thing that Boy Swallows Universe viewers have been inspired to do is turn back the time on a well-known Brisbane landmark, Boggo Road Jail. The jail, which features heavily in the series as the place Eli's childhood family friend has broken out of several times, reportedly based on a real person, where his bikey pen pal resides and where his mother ends up doing time, has been closed since 2002. It maintains a reputation of having been one of the most violent, chaotic places to end up. Those who survived its walls were considered heroes in the criminal world. Many nefarious partnerships were created through the Boggo Road bond. A petition to reopen the jail as a museum and to host tours has already attracted 2,650 signatures. Thanks for lending us your ears today, taking some time to feed your mind. And let us know what you think of the show. If you have a tick, drop us a review in your favourite podcast app. It helps us get into other ears too. The Quickie is produced by me, Claire Murphy, along with our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. 